A reminder to join Scotty and Hans Friday from noon to 3 at the Mountainland Valley View Pro-Am at Valley View Golf Course, 2501 East Gentile Street in Layton. See Utah's best pros in action by joining Scotty and Hans Friday from noon to 3 at Valley View Golf Course. And speaking of Hans, he joins us right now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Hans, good morning. It is a good morning. Anytime you wake up with actual notes from practice observation, it's a good morning. So what would you see at Utah? Well, a whole <laughs> lot of fence, some blue sky. <laughs> Not much. It's actually, PK, it's kind of depressing because over the last five years, maybe six, uh, I've opened up um, camp with going to the University of Utah and observing their practice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It just yeah, yeah, seems to be, a, a, you know, they've been a little bit better team. And, you know, you get out there and, and try to observe, see what's going on there. And for them to close it, it really takes a lot of my ability to get out there and put my eyes on some of these athletes away. And so I went and opened up camp with BYU and, and actually really enjoyed it. Loved being out there. And put my eyes on Zach Wilson and put my eyes on some of these running backs and starting to address some of the questions of a wide receiver and those types of things. So it was actually nice. It was, it was nice to get over to BYU and see those guys. Kyle taunted us at the start yesterday when he came over for his media session. He said, uh, so what you guys observe? That's how he started. No, he didn't. He did. He did. <laughs> well, he's a he's a funny guy. That guy. That's, that's a big ball of laughs right there. Yeah, he's I gave him funny. a look and I said, "Don't you even approach that subject again, or you and I are going to have a problem." And then he knew to back down. <laughs> you should have said something like, "How's your How's your anxiety? How's uh, How is it covering up everything?" Well, I what, thought. What, what, what are you hiding? I thought about saying, I thought the players looked good, the coaching sucked, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, I, You know, I think that there, there's a couple of things that they probably want to keep under wraps. Um, I'm sure Ludwig's offense, uh, I'm sure uh, Zach Moss's health um, and, and his recovery, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of things that they're trying to keep under wraps. Okay, with Zach, even if practice were open, I mean, they're not going to let him get hit. How much are you really going to see? I mean, maybe Britain, you know, in the lit, you know, planting and cutting off the leg. Because even in non-contact work, you can kind of observe yeah. how guys are, you know, planting and cutting and how hard they're running. Well, you could actually see a lot, DJ. I think um, when you take into account the amount of throws that he puts on a field, then you can start to judge the actual strength of the shoulder. And the observation period that we had, he really sat out, didn't throw much. In fact, uh, I, maybe two, maybe four throws, uh, and they were all flat throws. I, I did have eyes on the field during other portions of the practice, and he was throwing, and he was throwing hard, and he was throwing good routes. So um, I do know that he was actively throwing with that shoulder in practice, but our observation period, it just, they backed way off of it and probably don't want to fatigue it. There's, 
a few reasons for that. And, and so, DJ, I think the answer to that is you, you can read a lot coming back from a shoulder injury as a quarterback by just the amount of reps that a guy takes. Um, with that being said, when you back off towards the back end of practice, I, I think that that's a quarterback and, and a coach being smart because you come back from a surgically repaired shoulder and you throw and you throw and you throw and it fatigues the stabilizing muscles and it fatigues the tendons and and it fatigues that joint. And it might not be the same tendon or the same uh, uh, muscle or the same dislocation that it was that injured it before, but because you've been working so many different muscles to get back and ready, it could be something else, something else fatigues and something else gives. So I was actually right when you guys called, um, right as you guys called, I was uh, putting together a tweet about Zach Wilson. I said, Zach Wilson says he's ready. Kalani Sataki says he's ready. Now they both need to make sure that shoulder is ready. And that takes a, that takes a lot of patience and intelligence because guys can get out there and overwork surgically repaired joints and they could break real quick. So when I look at this offense for the Cougars, I see a lot of guys, but I want to see some playmakers. I can go with Bushman at tight end. I'll give you that. But I see potential, but I don't know that I can count on running back, whether it's one or two, receivers, whether it's one or two, to really step out and break away from the pack and be significant playmakers. So with that in mind, what do you see? Well, I think your observations are 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 pretty solid, PK. Um, I've got the same questions, and I'm not going to tell you guys who will. I'm telling you guys that have the potential and that possibly can, and that BYU absolutely needs to break out. And number one in my mind is going to Romney. We kind of know what Olivia Hifo is, and I think that Hifo's got limitations. I think we've seen what he can do. Really solid in possession, really solid in underneath stuff, and that's just that's just what he is. And I don't think he's going to change his game, but I think he's going to be a very usable piece. Gunnar Romney needs to explode into that big-time recruit that he was. You know, you guys remember last year, you got a walk-on freshman and Dax Moon kind of jumps on the scene, and you're seeing him targeted in his usage, and you're thinking, wait a second, what what's going on here? Gunner and, and I had an opportunity to, um, after well after practice, uh, I was back in in the, the old facilities, and he walked in, and I said, hey, and I got to kind of do a face-to-face, and I realized how tall the kid is, how, how lean the kid is, and I thought, wait a second, this is a kid that could, he could stretch. If he's got the speed, he could stretch. Um, so that's, that's what I need to see from Gunner. Um, the other guy that I was thinking of is Micah Simon. Now, I think we know what Micah Simon is, and I think that his, his brain got in the way last year of him having the production he needed to have. Micah needs to erase all that and just come back and have a, a fantastic year. The other, the other two that I believe can develop and be a playmaker, I think that Lopini Katoa is in a whole new world of fight and motivation. 
because of Asupa and Williams arriving on campus. Katoa hasn't really had those beasts in front of him. Squally wasn't a beast. Squally, really, they were wanting somebody to take that job from Squally. Like, somebody please be better than this. Squally was what Squally was. And I, and I'm, I hope that doesn't come across as attack. This is just real talk with, with football. Like, he just wasn't good enough. They needed somebody better, and they wanted somebody to come forward and take it. And the competition, the battle just wasn't enough. I think that Lopini Cato is going to be pushed by Tyson Williams and Asupa. Tyson Williams passes the eyeball test and, and is an absolute monster. I still think Lopini Cato is a better athlete and running back. But we'll see who surfaces there. And I'm hoping, PK, that that three-man fight pushes one of those into a, a really nice playmaker. Um, so those are some of the names that I'm hoping to see surface as a playmaker. So defensively, who is the playmaker? Because it looks like they got a lot of pieces of the puzzle, better depth and experience and better top-end talent, but a really dynamic guy who has to be double-teamed who makes the game easier for everybody else. Who might yeah. that be? Well, I think it's going to be Zane Anderson. And PK, you can remember, and then DJ, you can remember at the start of last year before he got injured, he is he can he can cover lateral ground like you wouldn't believe. Like he's really got a sharp step. I think he's got a great eye, a great nose for football. Uh, I had a conversation with both him and Austin Lee yesterday. Uh, I did a it was just a dual conversation. So I had both of them, and and the three of us just sat down and talked for about seven minutes as two seniors that are that have it all on the line. Zane Anderson with a, kind of another chance at football and Austin Lee needing to close the, close his BYU career out with a, a great year. So we'll play that conversation today on the show. He was, they're, they're both great men, like really great men. And and you could tell that they're both uh, they're cut from the Micah Hanneman class. If if you guys remember Micah really well, just no nonsense, um, gonna get it done. Great athletes, uh, really tough kind of guys. So I would say Zane Anderson probably number one. I would say Austin Lee number two, and I would say Isaiah Kafusi, Kyrus Tonga, and Devin Kafusi kind of sit in that group right behind them. Uh, I'm hoping that Kyrus can be a big playmaker. I know he'll be a good def- great defensive lineman. I want him to be a big playmaker, DJ, like you were talking about. In terms of hands getting Jaron Hall out on the field, where he looks like he's a tremendous athlete himself, what do you think of the possibilities? Man, PK, that's the that's the $100 million question. I, I remember going into, was it two years ago where you had Huntley and mm, who was the other quarterback coming back as a senior? You had a, you had a freshman senior situation. Oh, Troy Williams. Troy Williams. And I remember that it was really Troy Williams job. It really was. It was his job to lose. And that's back in the good old days when we could go observe camp. (laughs) And within a week and a half, it, it it really became apparent to me that Tyler Huntley was the alpha, that he was the dog. He wanted it more. He was 
slightly better, more athletic. And it's funny, um, I just retweeted a quote from Herm Edwards on this. Did you see this? He no. was asked about his preference on oh, playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You better be ahead because if you're even. If you're even, go with the young guy. Yeah. Yeah, so his quote is, uh, and, and this is in regards to playing younger guys if a position battle is close. He said, if you're a junior or senior and a freshman comes in here and in 20 practices it's even, somebody's got the problem and it ain't the freshman. Um, that, that, says, that says a lot. And what I saw was Huntley make these strides and I was able to make the call on who was going to start. Jaron Hall is chomping. He is he is wound up tight. <laughs> he is, uh, you know, when you meet him or you watch him in the huddle or you watch him with the guys, it, it's just this straight lace, clinched jaw. Um, I'm I don't have time for this kind of attitude. Like, let's just go. But so uh, I almost I almost feel more energy that comes from Jaron. But Zach Wilson has this charisma that's unmatched. Like, I've, I don't know if I've been around a kid that's got more charisma ever. He's just extremely charismatic. He draws you in. He makes you believe. So, PK, we just, we've got to stand back. I'm, I'm not ready to just say, oh, no, this is, it's said and done. I actually think it's not said and done. I think that there's a lot of work to do here because I've got that much belief in Jared. We got a poll question up. It's on my Twitter feed at David DJ James. <laughs> and I think we all know how you're going to vote. But just in case, you'd uh, fans, what are you worried about? Offensive line, linebacker, place kicking, or nothing? Hello, Pasadena. Oh, offensive line, linebacker, or place kicking? Or nothing. Hello, Pasadena. This is a complete team. Done deal. Rose Bowl. See ya. Pac-12 chance. Well, I, I, know, I know the four of us, and I'll include Hatch back there, I know the four of us, we don't live like that. We don't live the there's nothing wrong and let's just go. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's never been the world I live in. I, I would say that all three of those are a question mark and have some potential pitfalls especially with depth, I would say the one that's most dire is probably offensive line. I think you can cover up a lot of things with your defensive backfield and your defensive line, and you just need a really good, smart, physical body in that linebacking role. And I think Devin Lloyd could do that, and I think Francis Bernard's going to be fine. So I'd say offensive line is probably the biggest question mark and my biggest concern. Place kicking, I don't know. Go for it on fourth and six when you're in your when you're on their twenty. Like I don't I don't know. Place kicking, I don't figure that garbage out. But offensive line, it is a question mark. But I'm being told DJ that that there are seven guys on that roster at offensive line that they believe in now. And that's off the record. That's in a that's in a, a friendly banter conversation. That isn't in a, a media sense. That's in a in a sense of I've got one guy in, in particular that's told me there are seven guys on this roster that can play football at the offensive line. It's just a matter of getting them 
getting them in Ludwig's system and getting them to understand. So I'll, I'll watch that play out. I won't believe it until I see it. Speaking of won't believe it till I see it, are we going to see that big of a difference from Ludwig to the rest of the guys? Because you look at the circumstances now of all the years where they pull in the reins, given the fact of the defense and what's at stake, this might be the the best year to do it. Yeah, it really could be the best year. Oh, that's such a good question, PK. You know, it's I don't know if it's been exhausting for you like it's been exhausting for me. It, it just feels like we're doing this every yeah. year, trying to project and trying to – and almost trying to be positive about it. Like, I think all of us give Utah the benefit of doubt, saying – well, you know, this guy has this resume, Dave Christensen, blah, 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 in Missouri, and this and that, and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you, you really do try to build this nice picture. Ludwig, we can do that with Ludwig. We, we can. We can build all the nice pictures. They've been together. Kyle knows what to expect. And he knows what to expect from Kyle. And all of us know what to expect from an offensive coordinator working with Kyle Whittingham. Like, we just know that there's an iron fist. And I, Kyle shouldn't be ashamed of that, and I don't think people should be upset with that. Like, you need your head coach to have expectations. Kyle runs a certain brand, and he wants that. Well, Ludwig knows what to expect there, so I think that's good. I, I love what he did to Brian Johnson in that senior year. Uh, I thought that his usage was brilliant, and it built Brian into a great playmaker and, uh, and, and a fantastic drive quarterback. So everything points to Ludwig having all the qualities that can bring this offense together, circle the wagons, bring down the anxiety. Everybody's looking at him like, okay, he's been there. He's done it. He's had an undefeated season with this Utah team. He knows how to do it in crunch times. He knows how to be conservative, and he knows how to go for it. So everything points to it looking good, PK, but everything pointed to things looking good for Dave Christensen at times. Everything pointed really good at when Jim Harding and, and Aaron Roderick were co-coordinators. You know, Roderick, I think Roderick's, uh, I want to say Roderick's Whittingham's most winning coordinator. Whether, whether is, it was yeah. co-coordinator or otherwise, I think Roderick has the most wins. He does. Uh, as a coordinator. So, you know, I remember the co-coordinating situation. I'm like, ooh, this could be really good. Well, I'll tell you, this could be really good. It could, but but we may still find problems with it somehow. Well, I get the whole positivity thing. I mean, they've won nine or ten games for the last five seasons, so that leads to some of the positivity. The problem is no matter how many you win, there's always another big game out there that you want to win because you want one more, and that's where the offensive failures tend to bite them. And that always comes back to, well, how did the offense play? Because it – uh, you know, the majority of those nine wins really feels like it goes to defense, even though, man, we've seen a lot of offensive linemen drafted out of that organization. Yeah. It's, it's just year after year, they've got offensive linemen pouring out of there into the NFL. So, no, I, I, I agree with that, DJ. There's, there's reason for optimism because Kyle Whittingham does win. All right, Hans, we'll let you go. Next time we talk to you, the Aggies camp, uh, we'll have to get your uh, lowdown on how they're going to replace nine guys on offense. That seems like a lot of guys to do that all at once, but we'll talk about that another time. Thanks, Hans. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, DJ. Thanks, PK.